Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So one of the funny stories I'll start with is we were at our church council meeting, I guess it was last month in March, and Sarah asked if I would come up and preach today in, in place of her while she's on vacation. And I said, oh, oh boy, I, said, you know, I don't know what to say to this, right? And I'm kind of looking around and, you know, and, and in my mind I'm thinking clearly, clearly like she has no other choices if she's asking me. And I thought, you know, I, I can't just say no and, and, you know, show up at church that day. I thought, well, she, she, she really needs some help. So I said, okay, all right, sure, I, I'll do, sure, I got this, okay. And I said, and, and by the way, so I'm like, you're going to write it all out for me, right? You're going to write it out, so I just have to come up and read it. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. She's like, I need you to put something together that you can, you can speak from your heart. Uh-huh. I said, okay. I said, oh, this isn't going to go well at all. I said, okay. But she's like, I'm going to be with you. We're going to work together. We're going to workshop this. You know, come to my office. We're, we're going to get together on this. I said, okay. I said, all right, you know, this is up to you, but uh, we got this. Okay. So before we met, she, had, she emailed me a, a document, and it had like six or seven scriptures on it that are appropriate for the second Sunday of Easter. And so she said, why don't you read through these scriptures and find one that really speaks to you? And then that's the one that you will be able to, to speak from your heart. All right. So I'm going through them. Some of the scriptures were really short, and some were much longer. And I said, please, Lord, let it be the short one. I said, please, let the short one speak to me. And it didn't. So, I mean, they were all good. Oh, my, you know, obviously it's scripture. But I was going through it, and I actually got to the, the very long scripture of Thomas. And I read through that. I said, this is the one that speaks to me. I was like, oh, it had to be the long one. But, but it was the one that spoke to me. Because like Thomas, we all doubt. We've all doubted at some point. At least I know I have. You know, there have been many times where it's just, you, you doubt. It's, it's, it's hard to believe, as it says in the scripture, to believe, you know, in what you can't see and touch. I mean, that, that's hard. It's really hard. And one time for me, back, um, gosh, 21 years ago, you know, this, this happened to me. And as just like any young couple, right, we were, you know, my husband and I got married, and the next step in our journey was to have children. And this was something that I wanted greatly. Like, I wanted to be a mom. Like, this is all I want to do. I want to be a mom. So we, you know, we thought this was just the easy next step of, of what happens. And we tried, gosh, probably a good couple years. Nothing happened. Why is that? You know, and I wasn't, you know, too concerned as, it, as I was more just sad. Like, I just I wanted to be a mom. Like, why, why everyone else I'm seeing is getting pregnant? Like, why, why can't this work for me? 
So we kept trying, and we kept trying, and, and we grew very, very frustrated. And so we you know, finally thought, well, we, we you know, should probably go to the doctor, kind of see like, what, what are some next steps here. I'm sure it's nothing, but let's, let's try and figure this out. And we did, and you know, numerous tests. Um, and I ended up you know, having to have surgery and more tests. And what we found out is that I would not be able to conceive at least on my own, that we would have to find another way to conceive. And this was, you know, back, I mean, all, you know, 20, you know, one years ago, right? So people didn't really talk about this too much, and it wasn't something that was, you know, pretty much out there. But we needed to start going through artificial insemination. It's like, okay, okay, you know, if this, if this is what I have to do to become a mom, this is what we're going to have to do. And we did, ended up doing three rounds of artificial insemination, and didn't work. You know, and, and each time that this was happening, at the beginning stages, I would be excited, right? I'm, I'm generally an optimistic, happy person, right? So I'm like, all right, this is going to work. The doctor is saying we got to do A, B, and C. That's what we're going to do, and it's going to work. And so we, we did A, B, and C, and it's, it's a process. You know, it takes like a couple months to, to get ready for it, and then you have to have the procedure, and then you have to wait another month afterwards to, to see if it worked. And it didn't work. And so then, you know, the next process goes in, and we're going to the next time, right? And so it's like, all right, clearly this is the one that's going to work, right? Like, why wouldn't it work? Um, and we, you know, so I'd be really excited, really high, and then after three, four months, we found out it didn't work. And I would get really sad. And it was really hard for me, and I, I doubted God a lot. And I would say, oh, God, why? Why can't I have a baby, right? This is, this is the next stage in our life journey, and why is this not happening for me? I, I didn't understand it, and I doubted, and I questioned. And God, like, why do you not want me to be a mom, right? I mean, because quite honestly, like, I've got visions of two, three kids running around all around the same age. They're going to grow up and be best friends. And, you know, we're going to have this amazing life. And, of course, I'm going to be the best mom ever. So these were all in my mind, right? Like, this is clearly what was happening. But yet it wasn't. And I didn't understand this. And I questioned God. I doubted God so many times. And, you know, like a lot of us, as we go through our life journey, there are times when you know, everything is happening to everybody at the same moment, or so it seems, right? Like, you know, when, when you and your friends are graduating from college, right? Everyone's graduating from college around the same time. Everyone's got graduation parties and, and fun things happening. And then all those friends of yours and yourself, you get jobs. Maybe you got that dream job in the big city, you know? Maybe, maybe you got the job that you really wanted at the great company that you wanted, right? Everyone's out there getting jobs. And then everyone's getting married, right? Like, you know, you're getting married, everyone's getting married, and there's like a, a year and a half in there where you're just going to so many weddings, and, you know, it's all happening. Well, now the next progression is that we all start a family. So everyone's getting pregnant and starting a family. And it was like, why isn't this happening for me? <laughs> you know, and I, it, it, I couldn't figure it out. And I, I doubted God so much. You know, why, God, why can't I be a mom? Why don't you want me to be a mom? Like, what have I done that's so horrible that you won't let me be a mom? And, uh, you know, you, you think about this a lot. And there are times where you're going to, you know, all your friends who are having babies, right? They're having baby showers, you know, and it got to be so hard 
to go to these events and, and be happy, even though, I mean, I was truly happy for them, but I was also truly sad for myself. And so, you know, before I would go to these baby showers, you know, I would, I would cry, and I'd sit at home and cry and be like, okay, I got to, like, kind of pull it together now and, and get up and, and go, you know, do this. And I would go and obviously have an amazing time and truly happy, you know, for the young couple. But then I'd leave, and I'd get in my car, and I would just sit and I would cry. Why? Why, God? Why isn't this happening for me? Um, and it was just, it was sad. And it was really tough for me, and I doubted a lot. So after the three rounds of in vitro, nothing worked. The doctors kept saying, don't, don't give up hope. It's okay. Don't give up hope. Um, but we now need to go to in vitro. So it's a little bit more invasive, and the doctors still were very optimistic, but you know, now it's even a, a bigger deal. It was a more invasive procedure. Um, still a lot of preparation. So you know, two, three months of, you know, of medicine, of shots, you know, every night you have to follow this regimen. And then the day came, we'd have to have the procedure. And it was obviously very invasive. So I mean, I would actually have to take a, a vacation day from work so I can go into the hospital and have this procedure. And then it would be a full month later, 30 days later, you'd have to go back to the hospital and have your blood work done to see if you were pregnant. And then they would send you home and they would call you in about an hour to two hours to say, you know, if it worked or not. It's the most stressful time of my life, you know, and I'd go into it always high, like, oh, I know this is going to work, right? Oh, I'm going to be such a great mom. I know this is happening. And, you know, we'd have the procedure, we'd go back 30 days later and have the blood work and they're like, go home, you know, blah, 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 go, you know, do something and we'll call you. Okay. I feel this, oh, I feel this, you know, and we'd get the phone call, and the phone call always started with, I'm sorry, Jennifer, it, it didn't work, and then you just sink down again, <laughs> right, and, and I, I, you know, I was crying, and it was really hard for me, and the more I would get really excited at the beginning, the deeper I got at the end when it didn't work, and each time it didn't work, I just got deeper and deeper. And so, you know, always doubting God, always questioning God. You know, I just don't understand why I can't be a mom, right? It's all I freaking want was to be a mom. I don't understand. And um, there got to be a point where I just, I couldn't get out of bed. I just cried all the time. And I laid in bed. And my husband got in bed next to me, and he would open up the Bible, and he would read me scripture from the Bible. And it, it was really good, and it helped but I also would get angry, you know, like, God, why? I, I don't understand. And so I, I doubted my plan. I doubted God's plan for me. I just doubted everything. Um, it was really hard. So finally, we were like getting ready to do the second round of in vitro. And first off, stuff's expensive. Right? <laughs> this is very expensive. Insurance doesn't cover anything. We're a young couple. I mean, we're taking loans out, we're, you know, we're trying to do this and not understanding why this is so difficult. But we decided we're gonna do this again. They, the doctors recommend at least three rounds of in vitro. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can do three rounds of in vitro, but we did decide to do the second round of in vitro. And so the same thing was happening, um, all the months of preparation to get ready, you know, the shots, the medicine, everything perfectly timed. 
And you know, we went in for the procedure. A month later, we went back for the blood work. And you know, they told us to go home, and they would call. And I actually had taken the day off from work because I thought I just, you know, so many times that it was such bad news. I, I just couldn't function at work after I got the bad news. So we went home and, you know, holding hands and praying. And, you know, about two hours later, the phone rang. We answered the phone and they said, I'm sorry, Jennifer, this didn't work. And, you know, the whole world came crashing down again. And I thought, we just, we just can't do this anymore. You know, this is, you know, the ups and the downs and, and the ups. Every time it got down, I'd go even lower than I was, the, you know, the, the session before. And it, it got to just be too much. And obviously, we're, we're, we're running out of money, <laughs> quite honestly, right? And I felt like we're, we're wasting a lot of money, wasting a lot of money, because I don't have anything to show for this when we're all done. And, I, you know, we just don't know what to do. And the doctor kept saying, let's do it one more time. Like, we should be doing it three times. And I was like, I can't, I can't. Like, I can't keep going as low as I did. Like, we got to just take a break and, and focus on some other things right now. And at this point, this was uh, July of 2000. And we thought, I just can't do this. So we are going to just, for the rest of this year anyways, we're just going to think about you know, what we want to do and what our next steps are and try to save a little bit more money down the road here a little bit. So we went through the next year and obviously just being sad and continually doubting God. I just, I don't understand why God does not want me to be a mom. Why, why does God not want me to be a mom? I know I'd be a good mom. I don't understand this. Um, and then of course, you know, you're bargaining. Please, Lord, if you would just give me this one thing, I'll never ask for anything else again. You know, and, and you know, just not, nothing happened. So we went through the rest of the year, and we got to January of 2021, and you know, we made the decision not to do in vitro again. It was too much for me emotionally to go through. It was obviously very expensive, and I, I kept saying that if I'm going to spend this kind of money again, I want to do it in a way that I'm going to be a mom at the end of the process, <laughs> and I don't feel this is happening with in vitro. So we made the decision to adopt. And we got excited again, and we had to start going through, you know, learning, you know, learning all the paperwork and everything you have to do to adopt. That's a whole other world, and that was like a whole other process we had to go through, let me tell you. Um, the, the mounds of paperwork and social workers and home visits, and I mean, it was crazy. But it was okay because I still knew I'm going down a process that I will be a mom at the end of this process. However long it takes, I'm going to be a mom at the end of this process. So that's what we did. And we spent the beginning part of 2021 um, working on all of our adoption papers. And there's a lot of stuff we have to do. So as we were working towards you know, January, February, March, uh, the question started coming up from the social worker because we were getting to be like halfway through with our paperwork, things were going well. And the social worker said, you know, now, now we need to start talking about, you know, where are you going to adopt? You could adopt domestically here in Virginia. You could adopt internationally. And here's like all these countries that you can adopt internationally. And I remember we were sitting at our kitchen table and the only thing I said is, is what would be the quickest process for me to be a mom? You know, because some, some places, you know, if you did China, it was going to be a, you know, another two years or, you know. But I was just like, out of all these options, what's the quickest path for me to be a mom? 
And she said, Russia. She said, Russia orphanages have been shut off. The government had shut down adoption for US citizens, and they just reopened. They just reopened you know, at the beginning of 2021, and the orphanages were overflowing. And so they literally are like pushing kids out so fast that she said, by the time you turn in your paper, because you can't actually like apply for this adoption until you turn in all your paperwork and it's all accepted and completed. So they said, when you turn that in, she said, you're going to have a child probably within three to six months. You will be a mom. Done. Put me down. Russian adoption. This is what we're doing. Let's, let's do this. So now we're even more like, hurry up, let's get this paperwork done, and let's move forward, and let's try this and do this. So we got it done, and we turned in our paperwork in mid-May of 2021. And so at that point, then you just, okay, you know, can't wait to next steps here, you know? And, and again, not knowing, is it going to be three months? It'll be six months? Like not knowing, you know, when but we're excited. I mean, we start buying baby things. We don't even know if it's a boy or girl, but we start getting car seats and we, you know, got a crib and, you know, and this was really starting to feel like, oh my gosh, this is, this is finally happening. So we turned that in in May and very unexpectedly, mid-June, the Monday after Father's Day, we got pictures of our son and a video plus all his paperwork, a month, one month, and they're like, here you go. And I'll tell you, he was the cutest little boy I've ever seen in my life. And he was, there he was. And of course, you know, 20 some years ago, right, you got the VHS, right? And you, you can't just go streaming something to share with family members. So we're out making copies of these VHSs, FedExing it to all our family. And, and you know, we're like, holy smokes. So we're super excited. And we knew, we knew some background with him. You know, we definitely had like a lot of a medical background. You know, we knew he was born uh, three months premature, and he had been in the hospital for about three months before being moved to the orphanage. Um, and he was, this was in June, on July 9th, he would turn one year old. So, you know, he, he, he was, you know, he was starting to get up there, and he was a year old, and the cutest freaking year old I've ever seen, right? So we're like, okay, and you know, we did what we had to do, and now we're like, what, what are the next steps? And they said, well, next steps is now we have to wait. Uh, the Russian government will be assigning you um, a court date. So we have to wait for the court date. And they said, uh, Russia, just like most of Europe, they shut down in the month of August. That's their big month of vacations, and they completely shut down. So they said, if we don't get a court case or court date in July, you know, it'll be September, October. It'll be sometime in the fall before we get a court date. So again, we're just back to waiting. But man, I had that picture. My little boy had it. I had copies made. I had it at work on my desk. I had it at home. I had it in my wallet, in my purse, and we had the video. I mean, anyone who like looked at me, I was like, want to see a video? I got a video, right? So we were doing this, and lo and behold, um, we got a court date of July 31st. Oh. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is great. And they still kept telling us, like, be careful, because it still could change, right? There's a lot that's still shuffling around in the court systems. But as of right now, be prepared to get over there to Russia. We'll get you all the information. So sure enough, uh, we flew to Russia on July 27th. And we you know, got to Moscow. And then we had to fly to his, uh, my son's birth town. 
And, you know, we got to go in on July 30th to the orphanage to meet Nicholas for the first time. And what they do is at the orphanage, you know, this is the time, obviously, that we get to hold them and hug them. And we spent the afternoon playing with them because the next day when we go to court, the director of the orphanage also has to go to court and has to, has to kind of testify that she saw us playing with him, we seemed like good parents, they got along, there was good interaction, things like that. So sure enough, we walked in, and obviously handing Nicholas to me is like the most joy I've ever had in my entire life. And we're all crying, and, and we're hugging, and I'm you know, holding on tight. But the orphanage director says to me, she kept saying, she's like, he is a fighter. She goes, he is a fighter. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 you know, every, you're just, so much is happening. And I'm like, yes, yeah, 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 he is, you know, oh my gosh, he's amazing. And finally, she like pulled me aside, and I was still holding Nicholas, and she pulled me aside, and she's like, I am telling you, she said, he is a fighter. She goes, he was born three months premature in, you know, in July of 2000, and she said, the odds were against him. There's no way he should have lived. Because, you know, when someone is born premature and they're, they're in the hospital, you know, they, they need touch, they need feel. You know, they've got, you got family members around that you put your hands through things and you touch them and hold them and they need that. Well, Nicholas didn't have that. You know, he, he was an orphan. So he was in a hospital all by himself with no, no feelings and touching. And, and the director just kept telling me, you know, he is a survivor. She's like, he survived. And she said, he survived because God chose him to be your son. And I said that, or she said that. And I, and I started, like, things started clicking with me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So he was born in July of 2000, and that was when I was at my lowest, just finding out the second in vitro didn't work. And I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm questioning God. I'm doubting God. And everything started clicking in that moment. And I, I remember I got really hot, and we were already crying. And I thought, oh, my gosh. When I sat there and I was doubting God, he already had his plan for me, and it was that unanswered prayer, right? It was the unanswered prayer that I was praying to, to, to get pregnant and, and carry a child and deliver a child, but my prayer wasn't answered. God had his own plan, and that was that child halfway around the world, that exact time, and that was so profound. I thought, oh my gosh, and so, you know, needless to say, Nicholas is, is a miracle, and we had the court date the next day. Obviously, you know, things worked out. I had to go in front of a judge in, in Russia, and, and, you know, we had translators and, and things like that, and, you know, we finally were able to bring him home, and, you know, of course, he's now going to be, he's graduating from college in two weeks, and he's going to be, you know, 22 in July, and it just, that was such a profound moment, and I can honestly say I've never doubted God since then. Amen. Never. Amen. Now, I've questioned God. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've questioned God. And I've questioned God on, other, on a lot of things. And, and there are things that I, I, I don't understand, Lord. I don't understand how this happened or why this happened. I don't understand. But I don't doubt. 
I don't doubt anymore. I know, I know what, what's happening. I know there's a plan for me, and I may not understand that plan, but I know it's there. And in fact, I know uh, we got some pictures uh, I'll show you of Nicholas at the orphanage. There's just a, a couple of, of when we got him. So that was on July 31st when I got back from the courthouse and they officially announced him as us. And that was, that was July 30th when they, they officially handed me to, handed Nicholas to me for the very first time. And, uh, and that's when the, the orphanage director told me, now if you look at Nicholas, he's looking right at my necklace and within about 30 minutes he already ripped that off of me and I could care less, right? I could care less. But that was when, you know, it really struck me that, gosh, you know, doubting all that time. I was feeling sorry for myself, and I was doubting just like Thomas was. Um, really, really meaningful. But, you know, I go back, and I think about the scripture, and I think about Thomas. I mean, we, we all doubt, right? I mean, there are all things that we doubt. But, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe Thomas really just gets a bad rap, right? He's, he's there in the house with the disciples, and he leaves for 20 minutes to go get dinner. And the Lord shows up. Jesus shows up to everybody. And Thomas comes back with dinner. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, Jesus was just here. He's like, are you kidding me? He's like, I was only gone for 20 minutes. Like, he couldn't wait 20 minutes for me to show up. You know, and maybe it wasn't so much that he doubted. Maybe he just, he wanted to be part of this, right? Like, why? He's like, why would God show up? Why would Jesus show up when I was out getting dinner? <laughs> like, what's that about? You know, and, and nowadays they call that FOMO, right? The fear of missing out, right? Like, you don't want to go do anything because you're going to miss out. And I know I had FOMO, you know, back in, back in 2000 when all my friends were, you know, having babies and growing their families, and I couldn't, I couldn't, you know? And, and I think back to Thomas that sure he doubts, but I'm sure he's a little frustrated, right? It's like we're, you know, it's like when you're doing something and, and you know, you leave the party 10 minutes early and you find out like all this awesome stuff happened at the party right when you left. And you're like, are you kidding me? Really, this is when it all happened? So, you know, I try not to give, you know, Thomas too much slack because I mean, this, I mean, that's us. Like that's how we all feel at, at various points. And, um, you know, and that's about believing even when we can't see or touch. You know, and that's how it was with my son. You know, there's, you know, all that time I spent doubting God and questioning why I couldn't be a mom. And he's probably like, child, do you, I already got you taken care of. We got this special boy halfway around the world. But I doubted that I, I, I couldn't see that until the orphanage director pointed it out to me. And that is just something that has been so, so meaningful. Now, of course, the last picture is my son from last week at Easter right out here in front of our church. Um, some of you may know him. He, when he is home from college, he always works the sound system in the back, and he loves it. He worked the Easter services last week, and I know after he graduates from college in two weeks and moves home, um, you'll probably be seeing a lot more of him here as well because he does love serving at our church. But that's, that's the miracle right there. That is... That's the reason. I look in his eyes every day, and I thank God that I get to be Nick's mom. That's what it means to me. So thank you so much for hearing my story today. And that is definitely something from reading the scripture that I said, this, this relates to me. So thank you very much. I appreciate your time. 
Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.